Welcome to me. No, welcome to Callcast episode Cinco de Mayo. Almost. Couple days. <laughs> Man. One second, just gotta pick my nose really quick. Why don't I just start by talking about the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial, which I've been watching this week. <laughs> that was loud. I have watched um, two separate days, but like the full seven and a half hour clips on YouTube where they just document the entire day. Even the breaks, they'll throw the whole live stream. I So I, I just watched two of them. Uh, the only two... Where Johnny was on the stand. Maybe he was on three times. And I only saw two of them. Um, anything else where they called in other people and Johnny wasn't on the stand. I didn't watch. I didn't care for. I just wanted to see him. And it's really interesting because the lawyer. Amber Heard's lawyer. Who is just dogging on Johnny the whole time. Uh is trying to twist things. He's trying to get a rise out of Johnny by asking him, have I read that right? Did I read that right? He asked that question hundreds of times in this trial, and it is so obnoxious. Every time he asks it, I feel Johnny's anger rise a little bit more, or I feel it rise. The lawyer does not need to ask that it doesn't matter if you read it right or not. Do you have the facts right? Who cares if you read it right? Why don't you ask, did I get that right? Like, did this happen? Why don't you ask questions like that? But instead, he's just saying, did I read it right? And I don't get his thinking there. And, and to ask it so many times. I, I'm i getting pissed off just with Johnny Depp. And Johnny, I don't know, sometimes he'll give sar sarcastic retorts and other times he's... He just answers him straightforward. So bizarre, this trial, dude. Really. Uh, for example, there was a text. And so this is the process that I came to understand this. Um, one of the days, the trial, um, Johnny was on the stand. The lawyer's talking to him. And he reads a text that Johnny Depp had sent to the actor, Paul Bettany. They're good friends. They met on The Tourist. The, the text reads something like, we should drown her and then burn her, or burn her and then drown her, something like that. Uh, there, that's in the text. And I'm watching this going, oh, oh, wow, I can't believe you would say something like that about your wife. Come to find out, that is a movie quote from Monty Python. They're quoting Monty Python's Holy Grail together. They, that was something that they bonded over in their friendship, Johnny and Paul. And so the lawyer reads this text straightforward, which makes it sound bad. And then only like in the next trial day that they had, because the weekend passed. So on Monday, uh, Johnny Depp's lawyer went up there and asked him about the same text. And he clarified that it was just a movie quote for the jury. So it's so interesting that this Amber Heard's lawyer is just trying to twist these little... Uh, these little details to make it a scarier, bigger picture, I feel like. Personally, I think that Johnny Depp and Amber Heard are just toxic for and to each other. I recognize it because I've been in something similar to that in the past. And sometimes in the conversations that they play in the recordings, they recorded each other so often, I guess. Sometimes I can relate to Johnny Depp 
And sometimes I can relate to Amber Heard. I feel like a lot of times she takes what I would feel in the relationship and she puts action towards it. I would not be crapping in somebody's bed. Uh, Even physical violence towards a loved one I cannot actually see myself doing. I've never actually even been in a fight. I have never ever thrown a punch. I've never been in that situation where I felt like I needed to defend myself or harm the other person. I have been in tussles before, but, you know, it was not self-defense. It was it was roughhousing that got a little aggressive, you know. But as far as, like, anger, physical violence, I don't see Johnny Depp doing. I don't. I see him taking a lot of it from Amber Heard. And Amber tried to flush Johnny before she herself could ever be found out and be flushed herself. But it looks like that has caused a whole long, public, embarrassing flushing of Amber Turd. And I'm excited to see it happen. I have no connection to her whatsoever. I've never... I, maybe I've seen her in some stuff before. I didn't see Aquaman, so no. Would she have been in, like, Wonder Woman for briefly? Yeah, I mean... Uh, do not care. Johnny Depp, I love. So, obviously, I'm going to be on his side. Plus, I do think he's the good guy here. Maybe an anti-hero. With his own problems, yes. I'm sure that his drug use probably weighed on Amber and was really uh, not that pleasant for her. Especially if she does not partake in it whatsoever. She's going to have strong feelings about Johnny doing it. But that's the thing is that drug abusers, honestly, they're abusing themselves. That's the only person that they're abusing is they're abusing themselves, their own mental health, their own body. It's alcoholics. That's a whole different story. Alcoholics, which I know that Johnny does definitely partake in as well. So that that can cause some outbursts that uh, he may have done. I'm not going to say that Johnny Depp had no violent outbursts in his relationship with Amber Heard. I don't know. Uh, we've seen some videos of him slamming cabinets, so obviously obviously it's there. I just really hope that he never directed it towards her, even when she came at him with it. I hope that his was only self-defense, and that's what it seems like he's putting out there for the world to hear. I hope that it's true. For Johnny, I wish that he would have had this trial happen a long time ago, like before Disney came to any conclusions... You know, they fired him from Pirates of the Caribbean and Fantastic Beasts of the Wild or whatever the hell it's called. Which I love that Fantastic Beasts cost like $200 million to make and $10 million of that went to Johnny and he wasn't even in the movie. <laughs> they fired him and they still had to pay him like $10 million, which I love. Uh, good for Johnny, you know. But Pirates of the Caribbean I'm really sad about because as he expressed, he wanted to have an end to that character. There were five, you know, five renditions of the movie. Movies? What? What? Am I saying? Five, five, not renditions. Five, not even interpretations. Five times that he played the character. That's what, what, what? And I would personally love for Johnny to have, I would love a uh, Captain Jack Sparrow solo movie. Just to end it. Just to end his run Give him one last shot. It's all about Jack Sparrow and and you have him die or sacrifice himself in some grandiose way. I don't know. Something like that. I think they should give that to Johnny Depp. I have no idea what his movie career will be like after this trial. 
no expectations whatsoever. He might totally be done. He might just go into music, but yeah. Anyways, kind of weird. I'm surprised that they televised it and made it so public. They didn't need to do that, but I guess they both want to expose each other to some right, and neither of them wants to be exposed, so they're playing this game of chess here that's big and involves a lot of people in the teams. Speaking of games of chess, I love the Elon Musk move that he just played on Twitter. I think it was all a a ploy. Elon Musk goes, okay, I'm going to buy 9% of Twitter just to get a foot in the door. (laughs) And then... And then he goes, uh, all right, I'm going to get a seat on the board. And they go, well, uh, if you get a seat on the board, you actually can't do this, this, and this. And he goes, never mind. I am going to, why don't I just buy you guys? And maybe, maybe it was a little bit improvised, purchasing them. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he thought genuinely... 9% and a seat on the board. Maybe that's all he was going with. And then when they told him, oh, if you do that, you can't do the things that you were hoping to do with that power. Then he goes, oh, hmm. Well, uh, it's not a good business investment if I keep my 9% with no seat on the board. So either I'm going to buy you or I'm going to tank you. And Twitter was like, give us the weekend to think about it. (laughs) <laughs> I I guess I didn't know how forced free speech he was, and I like that a lot. I hope that he really improves the platform and makes it a little bit more inviting for everybody and not just one-sided. I, anything can be on there. I Not anything, but I, I feel that um, if... Like, you should be fair. You should just be fair, and the left side is not playing fair with social media. They want to blame it on disinformation, but I just think that they're going to take what power they can have over the other side. And that's ugly to me. They're playing it like a sport. Anyway, so Elon Musk buys Twitter and all of the right-wing conservative politicians and business owners, they have a heyday on Twitter. January 6th was set up and they start saying all this stuff that they have not said out of fear or they've been blocked from saying on Twitter. I did maybe hear somewhere, maybe it was a joke, that Trump might be making his way back to Twitter if that happens. I mean, there's there's just uh, a lot of open doors that I feel like Elon just uh, did with one swipe of a freaking credit card. I mean, it's it's new. It's admirable. I... I I'm very excited to see where this goes now that Twitter is bought out. I heard that a lot of Twitter employees are now worried about their jobs. And honestly, like, I don't care. Uh, I don't care. Uh, Hopefully Elon keeps them on, I guess. But if he changes things and it affects them, I don't think it's personal. But I don't really care about the people of Twitter, honestly. Twitter has been hard for me to figure out. I think I'm at six... 150-something followers, something like that. I've had a couple of videos get into the hundreds of views, but that's about it as far as, like, posting my stuff to Twitter. And just platforms that don't monetize for me, I don't see much use in putting a lot of energy towards unless it's for, like, a business uh, interaction, business meeting, setup, something like that. 
I, I want to utilize the platform to help monetize for me. That's what I'm trying to work towards. I'm trying to use these platforms to monetize. Videos that I had blow up on pretty much every platform that I posted them on were, uh, was the stand-up. I was so grateful to get stand-up on a recording. Uh, for the first time since my first time doing it. My first time doing it was 2018. I think it was March 24th, 25th, something like that, uh, uh, 2018. I did it until September 2019. Pandemic hit and I stopped until March again of 2022. So in the pandemic, I actually did write uh, probably 15 minutes of stand-up, 15 pages. And I, I tried to do about a page per minute. So, in my times doing stand-up, I don't feel that I ever did poorly. I don't feel that I ever bombed. There was always somebody who laughed, and that, even if it's one person, it makes me feel great. So, my first time doing it went well. That is documented. That's on YouTube. Um, and then the last time that I did it, and there's a whole bunch of times in between that I don't have on film, and I, I, I'm so sad about that. So, I started in March of 2018, June of of that same year I um got a, my first kitchen job I started working there and it was run by three um owners who were just like three dudes in the middle aged with some money and bar experience and they love sports and they just started this bar in in Hudsonville Michigan the Wind Tavern 33 is what it's called one of the Owners of that club, uh, Skip, um, really propelled me into stand-up. He is such a massive fan of stand-up. He has seen and met so many big comics who have come through Grand Rapids. And I had no idea that so many people came through. So uh, he introduced me to a lot of stand-up spots in Grand Rapids, so I owe a lot to Skip, dude. Like, he was not only a great business owner, but he was also a good friend and supporter of my stand-up. Watching me live, he, the, for the first time, he came up and told me afterwards, he goes, dude, I think that your material that you write is amateur, but your delivery is expert level. And I was like, I will take that. Um, because I feel like if if what if I'm starting out with anything at expert level, dude, hell yeah, I just need to work on this then, the material. I just need to work on the writing. And maybe the writing needs to be found a little bit more in the performance on stage. I need, I think I need to loosen up a little bit more, be there looser on stage. I think that'll help me a lot. I did a five-minute set at The Bob. My boss, unfortunately, was not able to be there. But there were some people from that restaurant who did come. And then I had some friends in the front row. Friends from film school. So that was so cool to have them there. I remember making a joke. One of my last jokes at the end of the set in, in my peripheral. I saw my friend bend backwards in laughter. And I was like, great sign, dude. Five-minute set. I got roars of laughter, dude. For some reason, I got roars of laughter. And that is the best I have ever felt doing my set. It was it was so, so cool. I had just done stand-up. And then we went to a bar and uh, just drank. And so I was talking to the owner or the, the bartender who is the manager, not the owner. He was the manager. He... 
heard that I was doing stand-up, that I just got done, and we started talking about it. He goes, dude, I have been looking. We used to do stand-up here, and we've been looking for, like, a new show to run. Would that be cool to kind of interview you a little bit? And I go, yeah, let's set up a time. So, like, later that week, I, I swung by, and we go upstairs, and we start talking about how we could do a legitimate stand-up show upstairs and it was like a small space but I wanted I wanted it to be above the bar so that people who came to the show were there for that show they could go up upstairs pay for it and and see the show so that was what we agreed on I then show up for my first time to perform now my job is to be the MC I introduced every single comic and usually there were about eight comics that I would put up and they would come perform at my show Collins Rocky Start is what we named the show. It was at Rocky's Bar and Grill in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I show up for my first time to do the show. And the guy breaks it to me. Hey, we're going to do the show down down here. Because we're not going to bring in enough of a crowd that people are going to go upstairs. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. But it's also not what we agreed on, and I don't like showing up to work expecting one big thing, expecting one thing and, and having a drastic change. That, to me, is just, like, hard to adapt there in the moment. Probably the autism, which I, 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 I have not been diagnosed, but I do suspect that of myself. Uh, on a serious note, I'm not making a joke. <laughs> uh, I am joking about it, but I'm not making a joke. There's a difference. There's actually a difference. So, that show went on for about four months. Okay, let me back up a little bit more. It's just so necessary. For the audio podcast listeners, I just had an incredible stretch. Two months into the four months, the owner... Not the owner! The manager stopped paying me. Because I'm not bringing in enough of a crowd. Really... I'm just bringing in a bunch of comics, <laughs> and we're it's just comedians performing in front of comedians. That was, like, literally the show. There were, at one point, one of my old roommates from, like, three years prior who actually did have autism. I'm, I'm not joking about that still. I'm not. At one point, he was the only audience member in my show that wasn't a comedian. <laughs> Michael. What's up, Michael? I know you're listening. So that was a bummer. I wasn't getting paid what I thought I was. But at the same time, I was working seven days a week. So that's actually worse because now I'm working for free. One of the days. So one of the days now I'm working for free. (laughs) Okay. So yeah, that's worse. I don't know why I let that go on for another two months. I mean, I wasn't doing it for the money. I didn't want to make it about the money. And just getting that weekly practice of writing material while I was at my one job and then going and performing on Sundays. One of the times that I performed, I thought to myself, I would really like to do some some sort of physical comedy here. I don't. How do you do physical comedy in a stand-up set, like fall or something? So I thought to myself, okay, so I'm going to introduce my stool. And I'm just going to sit on my stool with the mic and just start telling a story. And at some point, I think I'm just going to fall. So <laughs> I get up there. And again, this is not captured on camera. And I I, I might have even had the camera there and not, not turned it on. And I, I hate myself for that. Not too badly. 
I thought I just saw my computer mouse move without me moving it. That would have been weird. So I go up there. I grab the stool. I'm I'm with the microphone. I start telling my story. <laughs> and I just, in the middle of it, lean back. And I go, whoop, off the stool. And the stool's, you know, regular size. I fall. <laughs> and my shoulder, I fall, like, right back here. And hear this, <laughs> like my rotator cuff is like, nah, 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 nah. I do, I roll, I pop back up and just keep telling my joke like nothing ever happened. With my shoulder completely on fire, I was in agonizing pain. And But the joke is not that I fall. The joke is that I stand up and keep telling the joke. That's where the humor comes into play for me. And uh, I had to do that even though my shoulder was absolutely screaming at me. I totally just... There was a gnat that flew in front of me and I know it just flew into my mouth. What was I saying? <laughs> So, how did that show, Rocky, Colin's Rocky Start, I showed up with a bunch of comics and and some a professor from school of mine to watch me do stand-up and a bunch of friends and a guy about to do stand-up for, for his first time who was from school. And they were closed. They were closed. We are sitting there waiting outside, swaying, and all of a sudden... A guy shows up, and it is the actual owner of the bar. The actual owner. He goes, hey, um, I cannot find Jay, the manager. Can't find him anywhere. I'm calling jails. I'm calling hospitals. Um, He won't answer my phone, nothing. And we're like, oh, (laughs) okay. And that was it. That was it. That was how the show, there was no more show after that. I was like... I guess that's the end of Colin's Rocky Start. That was a pretty rocky start, bro. So it fit the map. So no wonder I have a problem with being ghosted. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and then I moved back right after that to Oregon. And I performed three times at a club downtown. <laughs> my first time doing it, I brought my mom and a friend of mine and my cousin. <laughs> I performed uh, a really crude and crass set. It was probably rated at least PG-13. Probably, uh, yeah, PG-13. I'll leave it at that. (laughs) And and it scarred my mom. She didn't sleep that night. I uh, came to understand seriously. Like, she was, she stayed awake um, just, like, (laughs) traumatized by my set. So since I did that to my mother, I have drastically cleaned up my set because I would like I would like to have a better effect with my stand up and not not scar people. So I have cleaned up my set all in this podcast with this story. So Adam Ray, if you know who this comedian is or you don't, you should look him up. Uh Adam Ray, I think he's on like Hulu and HBO Max and Netflix, so he's also definitely an actor as as well as a comedian and podcaster. He and I collaborated on a video. I saw him on Burt Kreischer's podcast. I messaged him on Instagram. He just said something about driving through Oregon to go to Washington. That's all I heard him say. So I texted him, messaged him on Instagram. And I said, I heard that you come through Oregon. Dude, I live in Salem. If you 
are stopping by, uh, please do. He goes, bro, my dad lives in Salem. Yeah, I'm stopping by, and then I'm going to Seattle. I was like, dude, uh, can we do a video together? He's like, yeah, why don't we? So we did a video where we eat a hot chip in my car. That video can be found on my YouTube. I should repost that, actually. That was a great experience. He did not have to do that at all with me. He did not have to do that at all, but it was so cool of him to have done that. One year later, I perform stand-up, uh, and I take my friend with me. I take Cole with me because it's their first show. They've never seen stand-up live, so I introduced them to it. I took them to a show here downtown at the same venue that I had performed three times. This was my first time in over two years that I was performing stand-up, but I knew I had to take them, and I, I needed to get myself back out there. This was one of their first shows that they were doing open since the pandy. Pandy wandy. So Cole comes with me. We sit there. We have a front center shot. Uh, well, uh, spot, you know. Thin. There's like 25 comics that go up and perform. And I'm one of the last. Which is good. It's like headlining, kind of. But I do a pretty okay set. Everybody had masks on. So it's like kind of hard to hear the muffled laughs. Plus, I had forgotten that it was the same set I had performed to the same club. Like two times prior. Three times prior. But I guess I was performing it more for myself. I, I My performance went well. I'm confident that I did well. And I was doing it for Cole as well. But from that, I took a picture and I posted it on Instagram. Adam Ray, who I just talked about. I'm not this. Uh, he hit me up because of that picture. And he said, dude, why don't we book a weekend at that club? And I was like, yeah. So he said he was coming through Salem in March. We booked a weekend, uh, did two days, two nights, and Bernice Ye uh, performed with us as well, who was, a, who was a comedian traveling the Pacific Northwest with her fiancé in a van, and they're just touring, doing a bunch of spots. Isn't that the life, dude? So I was so happy to get another set on film. I filmed it myself one night, and then my buddy Tristan from college, who came down graciously... He filmed it another night, uh, the, the second night. That set, in particular, can be found here in all of that stand-up because I want you guys to watch it. And I'm going to say goodbye because it's about time. <laughs> Honestly. Let's, let's be honest. <laughs> all right. Thank you guys so much for watching. I'll talk to you later. Peace.